Welcome everyone to the Driven to You with Al Hamid, where we align with driven individuals to learn as to how they get it all done with family and business. I'm your host, Al Hammond, and I've worked with those high-performing executives, coaching them how to dive in and get it all done, excelling as a leader in business, in their family, and in their faith. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Today, we have a very special guest, dude that has quickly become one of my very, very good friends, a go-to for me to chat about in anything, life, business, absolutely unequivocally a communication ninja. So I say that to say I want to introduce... Mr. Cody G to the podcast. Cody is a renowned NLP trainer. If you're not familiar with NLP, essentially what Cody does in a nutshell, certainly don't want to marginalize this, but Cody helps others and he's, and I've seen it, heard him, felt him do it. He helps others master their subconscious mind by helping them break free from the chains that they hold over themselves, utilizing neuro-linguistic programming. So anyhow, man, let's just get to it. Welcome to the podcast, bro. Yeah, Al. Thanks, man. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here with you as well. Absolutely, brother, man. I'm I'm thrilled to do the same. This has been a long time coming, and I know this is going to be one of one of many for sure. So, like I mentioned, getting into this, man, one of the things that I've just been blessed to be able to see and learn and and watch you over a couple of years now, man, is is to be able to dive into or see rather how you dive into the art of communication. You know, when I say communication. There's a lot to it and the difference between hearing and listening and understanding how to meet someone where they're at. But one of the things that I've been blessed to be able to see you do time and time again, specifically on Clubhouse. And I, man, I, I'll take this opportunity to uh, to plug you on Clubhouse because I know that's that's not your MO. It's, you're not a very braggadocious, boastful dude. If any of you listening happen to uh, mess around on Clubhouse or not, I would strongly encourage you to look up Cody on Clubhouse. And Cody, before we get off here, we'll make sure that the listeners all have your information. Cody is is the powerhouse on Clubhouse. I mean, and I say that as lightly as I can. I mean, you're all over the place all the time. And the content, the rooms that you host, the rooms that you mod, man, it's, it's phenomenal content and it's real and raw and organic. So Let's just maybe kind of dive in, man, and talk about your two cents on communication, kind of come whatever comes to your mind or your heart. Yeah, I I think that, you know, there's so many different avenues we can dive deep into. And one thing that we do with NLP is understand not just how to communicate consciously, but how to communicate subconsciously as well. And so much of Mm -hmm. communication is happening non-verbally. A lot of people think that communication is just the words that you say, which that's a part of it. But more importantly, it's the tone in which you use these words. Uh, It could be your physiology. If you're to walk in to a bar and see me standing there with my arms crossed, a mad look on my face, I'm communicating something to you that you probably don't want to come up and talk to me. If your wife gets home and you have that look on your face after a tough day at work, you're communicating something to her, whether or not you say, I love you, happy you're home. She's going to get the energy that you're actually putting out a lot more than she's going to get those words. So communication as a whole is made up of the words that you use, your physiology, which is body language and your tone. And I was actually speaking in Clubhouse, I was doing a room last night, and this guy asked, how do I communicate something that's tough without seeming rude? And I was like, okay, cool, like, let me know what you're doing now. And he would say the words that he was saying, and the words were fine, but it was so invasive and so, like, interrogating that person with how he was saying it, that it came off completely wrong. So he was looking for different words, when in fact, we focused on the way that he delivered that meaning that it wasn't a science to do it, it's an art to being able to flow and communicate in a way that you can just go gracefully about the world, whether it's on a sales call, 
to your kids, to your spouse, on a, on a stage, if you're public speaking, a lot more of what you do is how you do it as opposed to, to what you say. So when it comes to communication, that's the biggest thing I'd love for everyone to understand is like, don't just think about being articulate or having a good message. A lot more of that, when you hear a great public speaker, it's not just because they say the most fancy words or they put them together in the best way. It's because of how they deliver them. So a little tip on communication, if you want to be really engaging, if you want to be a great storyteller, especially if you're telling something that happened in the past, what you want to do is get associated to the story. And me and you kind of talked about this before in my group coaching program. The more you can get associated, meaning looking through your own eyes, seeing what you saw, hearing what you heard in that moment, and really just being back in that story, you're going to tell it like you're there, which is going to make the audience feel like they're there with you and they're going to be bought in. And it's the same way that I can say something like, you know what, Al, I went to the beach yesterday. It was awesome. Or I can say, Al, yesterday for sunset, man, I parked my car cruising down the highway right there overlooking the blue ocean, parked it. My favorite song was playing. I hopped out, jumped in the sand, felt that between my toes as I'm walking to the ocean, just hearing the ocean waves coming, feeling the mist all over my body. You know, so you can see the difference in those two stories and which one you're going to be like, wow, that sounds a lot more enjoyable. So now if you take those same principles and apply them to like yourself on a sales call, you're not telling a story, but you're still painting a picture that's going to make someone bought in on what you're saying. Very good, dude. Very good. So a couple of things there. What you just did is very challenging. So typically and candidly speaking, so the, so the audience knows is, is I will come up with a series of direct questions that I know that are just going to edify and validate the, the other individual that I'm, that is on the podcast with me, but you've got such a skill set with communication that I know that, man, I can really just throw you anything and you're going to be able to just take it and run from it and attach it at a meaning that is, is going to be able to serve those that are hearing and, and what you just did. I mean, I know <laughs> You, you started out with, with hey, this is, this is a vague question, and it absolutely was, because a lot of guys wouldn't have been able to take that and attach the meaning that you put to it to be able to allow folks like myself to actually learn and serve from that, so be served from that. So honor and respect to you, man. And, um, you know, one of the things that you just said that I heard, and I hear you talk about it, share on Clubhouse, again, in your group coaching program, some of the one-on-one stuff that you've done with some clients that I, you've shared with me is that VAK model. Go ahead and, and talk about what that is, what that means from a finite definition from, from VAK. I know you just gave an actual example, but maybe for those that really want to get under the hood a little bit more, you want to chat a little bit more about that, brother? Yeah, I'll dive into it real quick. So the VAK for everyone listening, it's the visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. They're different senses that we have or preferred representational systems is what we call an NLP, meaning that if you know me and Al were looking at each other right now, we have a visual going on, we can hear each other auditorily. So people listening to this, they're going to actually be able to understand what we're saying a lot more if they have the audio with the visual and if they have some text with it to get that kinesthetic where they can actually feel something or if they were looking like at a book, for example. So when you think about it that way, when you're telling a story, you're getting involved with someone's senses. And this mm-hmm. is actually my, my first coaching client I ever had. He was a 14-year-old kid, super awesome dude. And we worked on like manifesting, quote unquote. And I was like, okay, like, what, what's the main goal that you have right now? And he's like, I want to have a, it was a Dodge Challenger. And it's funny, it's when I had my Corvette, it's before I got this, the one that I have now. He's like, I want a Dodge Challenger. And I was like, okay, like, what, what model exactly? He's like, well, I, I don't know. And I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, and then I asked him, what color would you like? And he's like, um, probably like black would be cool. And I was like, okay, what color are the seats going to be inside? And he's like, 
I don't know. And so what, what we really did there was we shifted his idea. And I brought this up because when I first wanted my Corvette, literally what I pictured was myself driving down PCH, looking at the ocean visual, hearing my favorite songs playing, which is the auditory, feeling that steering wheel that I'm gripping onto, feeling the leather seats below me, hearing the exhaust pipes roaring as I'm cruising down. And now once I can simulate those senses, it's going to trigger new emotions and make it seem that much more real. Same with that story. The more real you can make it seem, the more someone's going to be like, wow, this is actually engaging. I want to be a part of this story. So what we're doing with the VAK model, in a sense, at least in the context that I used it in, um, was stimulating different senses that people can, can learn from. And like some people might listen to this just as an audio, like a podcast. And there's people that prefer to learn auditorily, people that prefer to learn, like I need to watch YouTube if I'm going to listen to like a video podcast. And there's some people that don't like any of that stuff. They just want to read that book, which is the kinesthetic or feeling. Um, and you might know some people might say things like, you know what, Al, like, I'm just, I'm not seeing what you're saying right now, man. Or they can say, Al, I just, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just, it's not ringing a bell for me. Or I can't get a grasp on what you're saying is the kinesthetic part. So what I did mm -hmm. was I mentioned a visual. I can't, I can't see what you're saying. Um, I can't hear what you're trying to tell me right now, which is the auditory and the kinesthetic is like, I, I just can't get a grasp on what you're saying, or I don't feel you. Um, and so just once you understand that people process information differently, uh, you speak to them in a different way. And it allows you to build a deeper sense of rapport. It allows you to communicate better with that person. And overall, just feel like you're speaking the same language. And that's mm. what you might have sometimes when people just say, this guy just really gets me. I've only known him for a little bit, but something about like, we're just, we're, we're good together. I like him. I like his vibe. It's because you guys are in some level of rapport. And NLP teaches you how to build that. Super good, dude. I appreciate you you breaking that down, man. You are also very, very good at, and you just spoke it, literally spoken into existence. I've seen you through social media posts, through multiple conversations that we have, where you're very good at, firstly, outlining your vision. And I know, man, you you hear me say the word vision 57 times a day. It's it's very much a, a part of who I am and, and where I want to go. And and by the grace of God, it's a tool that I use with our coaching clients that, that helps literally helps stuff bring goals and objectives to fruition. So I say that to say, you, you mentioned touch it, feel it, smell it, being able to get a finite understanding of exactly what that vision is, which creates and solidifies, validates that why for someone, which helps that person understand through life's trials and tribulations that, Hey, I'm going to be triggered reactively. But if I have a why that will supersede that, that is exactly how you get a very strong why by having an understanding that is so in depth of where it is that you want to go, that the little things that come at you during life, as they all do with all of us, it essentially doesn't phase you, man. So that's, that's very, very good. Another thing that you do very, very well, and, and you've assisted me at and is allowing again, through that communication BAK model is an understanding where someone is in helping them to maybe learn your perspective by understanding how to communicate with them through meeting them where they're at. You know, and this is something that candidly I struggled with for a long man, a great deal of my life because in my ROI analytical brain, it's listen, I clearly and concisely established a low level of expectation and accountability. You didn't hit it. Where did we go awry? And in my, very matter of fact, candid 
demeanor, I shared with you what you were going to do. You shook your head or gave me some sort of acknowledgement. I walked away with the assumption that this was going to be, this was going to happen. Not understanding that the way that I barked at you or the way that I showed up didn't meet you, didn't serve the way that you actually communicate. And again, man, that that is something that that I know I, I can see it. It serves you daily. I've, I've been in multiple rooms with Clubhouse where I've seen you actually almost like a one-on-one intervention, maybe, where it's where it's there there's someone that'll come into the room and you know through a collaborative effort or discovery question, you'll you'll find out that they've got some sort of fickle self-limiting belief that has maybe been with them like like many of us since childhood, you know, and they'll realize that maybe this isn't real. And then, you, and again, I'm happy to have you speak to this. And this is something where you come in and you kind of get under the hood, peel back the onion through questions to ask them, you know, if someone says, Hey, I'm never going to be a seven figure earner or whatever the case may be, then you'll go through and you'll ask them. And I remember a time when I was in a room and man, there's probably 150 to 200 people in there, which is very challenging for the moderator or the host to be able to capture the attention of the people, especially when you're just talking to one person. But I remember like it just, you didn't see a lot of mic taps for those of you that, that knew about clubhouse, because I could tell that the audience was so enriched on what it was that you were presenting. And the gal, I'll never forget it. I actually remember her name was darn near in tears. Matter of fact, I think she was bawling at some point in time. When I say I think, I mean, I know because it was kind of that hyperventilating, like weird, awkward cry that you you never want to do in front of people. And you were able to totally turn that around. And I don't know if that, if you remember that one, I mean, man, you you probably have several on that, but you kind of want to talk about exactly how you get under the hood with these one-on-one interventions. And that's just something that I kind of coined myself. So, you know, Feel free to correct the nomenclature there, brother. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I don't remember which one that was particularly. There's been a few of them. Um, you got so many. <laughs> you know, when you say under the hood, like the car analogy, what I think of is, you know, if you were to bring your car into my shop, Al, let's say I had a car shop and you were to say, hey, it's making some weird noise under the hood. And I say, yeah, you probably need a new engine. Okay. It's going to be a few thousand dollars for that. You'd probably get in that car with that weird sound and drive right to the next shop because I'm being so direct and so straightforward, Mm. almost like overly eager or desperate to give my advice or my opinion for whatever reason, whether it's because I wanna be significant and show that I know what I'm talking about or on a sales call, you you wanna make that sale so you're leaning in too much. And what it does is it really turns people away. So um, Mm. Clubhouse and particularly what so many people do is they give advice right away. If someone says a problem, okay, yeah, this is what you need to do. This is what I've done. But the only way you can really diagnose an issue and what I call it is the structure of a problem is by getting under that hood, as you said, lifting that hood up, seeing what's in there, hearing the different sounds, a.k.a. what, what is someone saying in their head? Are they, are they having a narrative that's running? Looking down, how do they see the world? I'm trying to understand their model of the world. Um, in NLP, one of the presuppositions is that uh, to understand and appreciate everyone's model of the world, meaning that you... Anyone here, no matter how good of friends we are, no matter how much I know you, you still have a different model of the world than I do because of your upbringing, because of maybe where where you lived, the school that you went to, your memories, your meta programs, the things that you were taught, your values. So once I can understand your model of the world, that's how I can meet you where you're at is what you mentioned earlier. So 
again, lifting up that hood to identify and understand the structure of someone's problem, meaning how do they do this problem? When do they do this problem? What triggers this problem? When do they not do this problem? What happens after they do this problem? And we can go on and on. And these aren't necessarily questions that I'm going to ask, but they're things that I'm thinking in the back of my mind at all time as I'm running through this intervention to identify how they're doing it. Meaning that let's just use anxiety, for example, because a lot of people do face anxiety. Some people have like generalized anxiety. Other people have anxious thoughts. And I think that it's something we can all say at one time or another, we experience anxious thoughts about something. So the way that you might feel or do quote unquote anxiety could be different than how I do it. Meaning like, do you do it when you first understand, okay, I have a project that's due or have a sales call that's coming up? Or do you do it right when you get on that sales call? Or do you have anxiety during the sales call? So there's just so many different things that if I were to give you advice, I really have no idea how you're doing the problem. So it may or may not resonate with you a little bit. But my goal usually is not just to resonate with someone or say, yeah, that's good advice that I want to try to like implement. It's I want to understand that structure of the problem to get them out of that problem as quickly as I can into a solution. And again, that that really doesn't happen no matter how good someone is until they lift up that hood, as you mentioned, and see what's under it, see what's ticking to fully diagnose the situation uh, before just giving your two cents. Super good, man. You do, you do a great job of going back and forth between the head and the heart. And, and when I say that to say, like, there are times when I'm in a conversation and I just want somebody to just give me the facts, give me from A to B. I don't have time for the lit what color were the flowers? All right. How did that make them feel? Okay. Where were you at? Like, yeah, those may be important details later, but I need to be able to get from the meat and potatoes. And there are other times when those are the details, you know, if, if someone were to ask me a question in the way that they phrased it, I didn't even listen to the way that they said it. I just felt their tonality and the cadence in which they brought it to me as an empath. You know, that's something that, I've been blessed with to be able to have my entire life. And it wasn't until just a few years ago where I've actually learned to lean into that. I mean, candidly speaking, it was almost as if like I was the dude that was crying watching Titanic or the dude that was crying watching, you know, insert a 30, 30, 30 for 30 ESPN special here. And I, what I realized in my life was like, Hey man, I'm different. I'm different than the fact that most dudes that I know aren't going to be tearing up on this, but I was able to feel the emotion from the stories. And because of that, that would motivate me, inspire me, or allow me to you know, communicate in a different manner than, than just showing up and being that A to B guy. So, and I think that there's a skill set to that. You mentioned at the beginning of this, man, almost an art. And I say that to say that I know that you have a vast sales background, and I like to actually kind of segue into that. You do a great job. And I think you actually are hosting a multi, I don't know if it's a, it's a podcast or multiple rooms in, in clubhouse, but, or maybe even on Instagram, I know you have a very large following on social media because of your, your background, your vast backgrounds, but what you really kind of teach, I don't want to say kind of, but you go through the tangible steps on how to sell without feeling or coming across as salesy if that makes any kind of sense. You want to chat about that and, and kind of your mindset on that, brother? Yeah, and it, it kind of goes back to what I said about that clubhouse room I was in yesterday where that guy wanted to approach a situation but didn't know how to do it. And what I told him was it's less about the words that you're, you're using. He had a, a good word choice. His language was fine, but it was his delivery that was off. So 
on a sales call, you know, let's say that me and you are, I don't know, selling cars or mortgages and we're both, it's, you know, six months in, we've only been selling for six months and you give us the same script, me and you, you can outsell me like crazy using that same script. And I can just completely tank on that. And it's because it's not about those words, it's not about the science of using a script. It's the art in the delivery. So when you think about it that way, almost everything we've talked about from communication to meeting people where they're at, to selling now to the interventions, it's all about that art of the delivery. And when you think about it that way, and even like with your wife, I'm sure there's conversations or arguments that either started or could have been avoided or have been avoided because one of you guys delivered it in a good way. And you know, one thing that I was very, very bad at was my delivery. Because I would say things straight up, like if I was a sale when I was a sales manager, and if I was your manager, Al, I'd be like, okay, go ahead and go get us a few deals today, go get this done. Because someone can talk to me like that, and I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. Mm. I didn't realize that other people don't necessarily like being talked to that like that, or they think that it's being rude or like condescending to them. So I had to really understand people and how they process information to be able to speak to it differently. So when it comes to that, if you can do that with like by leading a sales team or on a sales call your delivery is going to be completely different. You can deliver it in a way that people actually want to and need to hear it. So there are times when I might give someone very tough love and say, well, how long are you going to keep letting this belief rule your life? Or why did you choose to believe this one? And I'm being very direct, but I can say it in a nice way, almost like if if you give me an objection, like let's say I'm trying to sell you my service and you say, Cody sounds great, but I can't afford it. And I say something like, yeah, I understand, Al. My only concern here is that if you're not able to make this shift and allow me to help you in your business, how much longer are you going to be able to not afford it and be in the same situation? And you see how what I just did was like, I'm being very sure. direct. It's almost like a, I don't want to say a slap in the face, but it's, it's like dropping the hard truth at you, but I'm doing 100%. it in a, a nice way that's artful and that's kind of graceful where you don't think, okay, this guy's being rude. And we've heard salespeople that can say things that were half that direct, but sound very rude about it. So Again, once you can say it with that sort of approach and it's understanding when and how to use your tone and voice fluctuation, that that person's going to perceive it a lot differently. Or when I'm doing these interventions, for example, um, a lot of times we go very deep. And like you mentioned, sometimes it's in front of a hundred plus people. So to uh, like the average person would probably never want to open up in front of that many people on a stage. But when you do it in a way that allows them to, by leading them into that state, it's going to be a lot different. And I, I've seen at times where people have tried to do something similar and someone says, uh, I'm just not that comfortable. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. And I've heard it. And I'm just like, oh, that's, it's awkward for everyone listening, but it's because that right. asking the questions didn't do it in the way that they needed to, for that person to feel open with it. Very good, dude. Super tactical. And let's continue with that, man, because I know that there are people listening to this, myself included, that really have the heart to be able to show up for someone and, and be able to unlock them. And we talk about honor and how that unlocks people and allows them to show up with their true and authentic self, with their mask removed and their shields removed. And, and again, one of the things that I see you do quite a bit, man, is you tow that line, you know? So when I say tow the line, it's exactly what you just said. It's a perfect example of what I referenced earlier between going back and forth from your heart to your head. So the analytical owl, so to speak, there was a time in my life where candidly, I don't want to say I was afraid, but I was embarrassed to use my heart. 
wasn't socially acceptable. It wasn't, uh, you know, I don't want to say cool thing to do, but I didn't want to appear weak because I lacked the confidence in myself to be able to say, Hey, listen, I'm leading with my heart. And if you don't like that, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you about that. It is what it is, but there are a lot of people that I can see in conversation. I can hear on, on clubhouse. I listen to their uh, clubhouse or, or even the way that they present on stage. And you can almost tell that they're almost holding back a little bit. And then there are other people much like yourself, man, like you tow the line. When I say tow the line of, all right, am I going to be able to have to give this dude a swift kick in the ass? Tough love. Or am I going to just be able to say, Hey man, give it, give me a hug, bro. Bring it on in and let's, let's hug it out type deal to, to be ever. So what have you learned? And if you want to kind of share some of what triggers or indicators prompts that you see that help you learn or just discern between how do I speak from my mind? I know that this person needs to be able to have an ROI analytical mindset. We need to be able to go A, B, or C. And then what are some of the clues that tell you, all right, man, I know that we need to do that from an objective result oriented standpoint, but I'm just feeling that I need to be able to open up and speak from my heart to allow this other person. And again, I know you do a great example of that. And I really, really would like our listeners to hear and learn how do you see that? How do you forecast and navigate through towing that line? Yeah. So thinking about it now, it's a great question because a lot of times it's just so in the moment. And what I what I really think, and I, I want to make this known too, is that if you notice me leading from the heart, that's not something that I've always done by any means. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened. One, my relationship with God, mm. me allowing him to come into my life and give me that soft, tender heart, being around people like you, like Steve, that have allowed me and have showed me like, hey, it's okay to be vulnerable. It is cool to be open and to lead from your heart. These are the kind of things that have given me that unconscious permission to do it. And in NLP, we call it sensory acuity, which is just kind of like an acute sensitivity to your surroundings. So, you know, for example, I might see you you like do this. And if anyone's watching this, they can see like my eyes begin to shift up. I might see something like that. You You get a little fidgety. I might hear your tone shift a bit. Um, there's so many things that are happening that I'm picking up on subconsciously. And on Clubhouse, we don't have any of the visual. It's all auditory. So all I can do is right. listen in to the words that they're saying, the patterns that they're repeating, the stories that they're saying, and the tone in which they're using it. So I'm trying to pick up on all that stuff to realize what they need. And it lets, I'll just give a quick example that comes to mind. A lot of times someone will justify, say, well, this is the way that I am, or this is what happened then. And they'll keep trying to replay that same story. So I might cut them off mid-sentence. And when people hear me do this, they're like, I don't know how you can do that and have that person like appreciate it and not sound rude. But I might cut someone off mm-hmm. midway and say, hey, Al, I, I appreciate that. I don't want to let that same story keep playing in your head over and over. I want you to be able to come to a solution here. So my question for you is this, and I'll, I'll lead them back on track if they're going too far off, like replaying that same story. And then I might need to give that tough love. Like we're going to stop right here and I'm going to lead this conversation again. Or if I can tell that they're really getting some sort of healing from expressing, whether they say, I haven't been able to share this, or this is hard for me to say at that point, I want to let them continue until I get a bit of information that we can use to go off of to dig deeper. But the thing about information is that a lot of what I do and a lot of what you learn in NLP 
context is always a lot more important than content. Meaning I don't need to know why you are the way that you are. I don't necessarily need to know what happened. All I need to understand is the context of the problem, AKA the structure of how you're doing this problem to help you fix it. Whether there's some sort of limiting belief in there, there's negative emotions associated, there's conflicting parts that you have internally, there's bad strategies you have running, there's negative anchors you have inside of you. There's so many different things that I can start to understand by getting deeper under that hood, as you mentioned. And from that point, we're able to create change. So uh, just to summarize that answer, what I'm doing essentially is using my sensory acuity. And it's something that, again, from a sales background, you start to understand people when you can when you can kind of push, when you shouldn't, when you should say, okay, this person's not going to be someone buying. I don't want to be too pushy. But my understanding of NLP and reaching that level of becoming a trainer where I can now train and certify people in this stuff, that is the quickest, easiest way to transform your communication and understand people, in my opinion. This is what I'm talking about with ninja level communication, dude. <laughs> you can't BS what you just said, man. That's that's real <laughs> deal, bro. I appreciate that, man. You, you talked about patterns. You talked about... And I've been on Clubhouse and in CU, I've hosted rooms and modded rooms actually with you. And one of the most challenging things is, again, as an empath, I too look for the tonality. I look for, all right, am I talking? Is this too long-winded? Am I, is this not serving this person? Is my tonality too uh, harsh? Is it something that, and you can get those visual feedbacks or, or cues and understand that pattern when you're in a real life conversation. But it's almost like giving a speech to someone on Zoom when everybody's on mute. And it's even worse because you can't even see the feedback if someone is like, all right, twiddling their thumbs or they're watching TV or looking across the room because, all right, at least I know seven of the eight people on this call are interested. I've, you know, I've lost Cody, but I, I'll work to get him back with something. So to be able to do that, man, and again, honor to you, takes a very, very, very strong sense of both self and situational awareness to be able to process that real time while you're talking and then not get offended. I mean, oftentimes you'll see that, that folks, they'll realize that and they'll say, all right, well, you know, this guy's obviously not listening to me. And then they'll create a story or line or a meaning in their head, especially if it's a product or service offering that they're selling where all right, I, I guess that, you know, I'm not going to make the sale on this one or, you know, we just didn't connect. And maybe it's not because of the subject matter and to your point, the content, but rather the way that the, the deliverables are being communicated. So that's, that's very, very good, man, which leads me into, and you, you brought it up NLP. So for those of us that are neophytes in the realm of NLP, walk me through what that is from a textbook definition standpoint, and then give me a little bit of Cody on that, on how that can be applied through, I know you mentioned relationships and everything that we do is based on relationships, whether folks realize that or not. And then I'll segue, I'll say this before we segue is, is I'm a firm believer that there's a sale being made in every conversation, it's whether or not someone else realizes that, you know, and, and even right now, that comment that I just made, I'm selling you on the fact that there's a sale being made in every, every conversation. And it's mm -hmm. how I validate, how I edify, how I communicate that on uh, whether or not that belief is received by the other person, uh, or it's just, Hey, this is just some BS, BS stuff that this guy's trying to get across with NLP. I know that it goes much deeper than surface level. 
So why don't we dive in and just chat about that? I mean, when I think NLP, dude, I, I think you, I mean, outside of you and Tony Robbins, I guess that's, that's a very, very good uh, comparison to be, you know, in the, in the same conversation with brother. Yeah, man. And I received that. So I think the first thing is that in NLP, I, I consider, and this is a generalization, I consider NLP into like three categories, if you will. The first one is communication. The second one is understanding how the brain works. And the third one is change work. So this is not mm. from the textbook. This is just my own way of, of categorizing it to bring it down to life where people can say, okay, I understand that. So it's understanding how to communicate. Everything you do in NLP helps you communicate better. Understanding how the brain works, why people do what they do, and those drivers, that's that second bucket. And the third one is the change work. And that's where, you know, we probably have just as a basic practitioner, which is the initial, like a seven day course that you do. I'm teaching my first one here in less than 30 days. Yeah, buddy. But just as a basic practitioner in these seven days, you learn probably like 10 to 15 different techniques, if you will. And just straight techniques where you've probably heard me do a few of them where I can walk someone through or guide someone through an exercise to help them overcome something or to help them release an emotion or a decision or anchor a new state that they want to feel it all the time. And so what I, I hear often, and it's a misconception or it's a miscommunication when people say, oh yeah, I, I know parts of NLP or I, I'm, doing, I'm doing NLP or they say, oh, he's doing NLP. And it's like, it doesn't really make sense because it's such a wide facet of information and it's going to be how you structure it and deliver it to that person that is really going to be what NLP is because everyone does it differently. Meaning that I'm I, so far, I have 11 people that are signed up for my certification program. I'm going to teach those 11 people all the same exact thing, but how they deliver it is going to be completely different because of what they have, mm -hmm. again, based on their own model of the world. So those are how I categorize NLP. Now, the textbook definition, like you asked for, it's the study of excellence. And, you know, what does that really mean? It's studying excellent salespeople, excellent therapists, excellent psychotherapists, excellent hypnotists. And what it did it, at, at the early beginnings in the 70s, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, they studied excellent people and found out how they were doing what they were doing. And it's the same way if you think about it from like a Michael Jordan standpoint where if someone were to be there studying him for weeks and months and years on how he's doing what he's doing. And he might think, yeah, I just, I make a three-pointer, but they might look every single time he makes that three-pointer, his wrist cocks back, his elbow tucks in, his fingers go back, and then he does it every single time. So they're uncovering the strategy in which he's using that they can now instill into other people. So when it comes to NLP, that's really what it's doing. It's a form of modeling. There's a lot of different mm. stuff in the field, the understanding, the knowledge of NLP, but how it came about was because that study of excellence that they did to model successful people. For example, when it comes to, to sales, sales was around way before NLP was, but NLP allowed them to study the best salespeople to find out what they're doing, to find out how they use their tone effectively. So now essentially I didn't need, you know, my background coming up, knowing nothing from sales to being the top producer and sales manager for huge finance firms. If I didn't have any of that stuff, the understanding of NLP would allow me to become a better salesperson a lot of times than all that experience ever would, because you're relying on like sales managers and stuff to train you just from their own understanding of what sales is. And NLP gives you the full understanding of how to utilize it for whatever you're doing. So 
I don't know if that even makes Perfect. sense. I'm trying to bring it from high level down to tangible, but I hope that answers your question. Oh, absolutely, man. It lends itself to another question, man. So what I'm hearing you say is like a phrase or a quote, I should say, one of the, and you and I just chatted about this over the weekend is from a book I read in fourth grade, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And one of the, one of the habits in there is seek first to understand, then to be understood. I say I read that book in fourth grade. I certainly didn't uh, retain the information, and I absolutely unequivocally failed to uh, to apply the subject matter, the knowledge that I retained from it until later on. But, you know, it's a book that I remember grabbing off the bottom of our coffee table in our house. And, you know, those habits have stuck with me to this day. It's something that I read at least once a year just to continue to go back. But that is a very, very astute way of, again, going back to being a, a, a passionate salesman without coming across as, as sleazy. And I don't want to speak in a negative connotation about any respective field or, or product offering that's being sold. But, you know, you, you, you get guys that uh, were coined as, uh, he's, a, he's a slimy used car salesman mm-hmm. uh, or slimy, whatever. It has nothing to do with being a used car salesman. I know of several folks that do very, very well in the industry. And it's because they utilize techniques on understanding on how to meet someone where they're at, understanding, yeah. like you said, well, I'm going to toe the line and I'm going to know when I need to push for this person's best interest based on what they've communicated to me, not on what I've perceived or the meaning that I've attached on what they've communicated to me. And at the same point in time, I'm also going to understand that I need to sow seeds in this relationship. So it's not going to be something where I'm going to try to hard close this person. And if it doesn't work, well, we just don't align. And it is what it is. And that's something that, again, to further dive into the weeds here, that's something that, and I know you know about this, all my guys that we coach and that we talk about all have personal contracts, you know, and, and one of the, one of the letters in my last name is obviously him, which I've associated with the word mercy. Mm-hmm. Mercy isn't necessarily for someone else but rather for me. So when I have a conversation with someone and you referenced it earlier in this conversation, man, there's been so many times where I don't even, you, I don't even know this dude. I, I, I haven't met this dude, but why did I feel like I'm so aligned or I'm so connected? And I remember thinking that about you the very first time that I actually saw you on a zoom call. And I know I've shared that with you when you, you, you read the room at an event and I remember looking back and watching you walk clear across the room, pull up a chair. At the time, I didn't know that the guy was new and you felt that. But the reason was, is because you, again, yourself in situational awareness, put yourself in a position to be able to feel and understand who was looking for what and who needed it. And you caught that before anyone else did. I picked up on that because that was something that, dude, I'll probably never forget that to this day. But again, segueing back to where I was going with mercy, there's been multiple, multiple times in my life, man, where I failed to pick up on that, where I, I didn't read the room or I didn't read the intangible nonverbal cues that someone was giving me. And I just associated that with, all right, they're disinterested in me. or They're disinterested in the service or the product offering that I'm, that I'm wanting to bring to the table. And because of that, I'm just not for this guy or this guy isn't for me, or, or in my younger days, this girl isn't for me. And it's because, again, I, I didn't read the, the cues that were there through these tools. So now I've, I've instituted that mercy and understand that, hey, man, 
maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're having a bad hour. Maybe I showed up in a, in a way that was just overly aggressive and I shouldn't have done that. And that made them be defensive, you know, so that mercy allows me to give myself a little trigger, a little reminder to be able to come back and continue to knock on that door and sow those seeds, man. So, um, one of the things that I wanted to chat about too, uh, before we wrap up here, man, is your ability to communicate your skill set, your tonality, your cadence, the tools that you have in your proverbial tool belt into, and I know that you've, you've led multiple sales teams, coached and, and taught multiple um, sales managers underneath you to multi six and seven figure careers. And again, for those listeners that they know of NLP, but they don't necessarily still know, all right, Cody's giving me some great tools on how I can show up for someone, great tools on how I can read the room, how I can read the the intangible nonverbal cues. But what are some other things that they can specifically apply towards not only the relationships in their life with their wife or their husband, but those folks that are in a sales arena? You want to kind of chat about that? Yeah. So two things that you said that I actually wrote down that I'd like to dive into. The first one, it was around sure. the, the M in your last name, which stands for mercy. And you said that at mm-hmm. times you weren't such a good reader at the room or what was going on around you. And, you know, man, I want to take it a step further and say there are times when I was a good reader of the room and I still chose to do the opposite of what I should have done in that moment. And I have this whiteboard right real talk. to me. Dude, it's a, it's, a, it's a massive page. It's like an easel whiteboard. And I have over half a page mm-hmm. written down of times where I did exactly that. Um, and one of them I remember, and I'll, I'll just make it a quick quick story, but we were on a hike. It actually turned out to be like a 12-mile hike with me and a few friends and like four dogs, dude, three big huskies and my little pup, Kailua. And there were these, these I had one friend that also brought another friend. And it was like his first time ever on a hike, dude. And it was like, like a 12-mile hike. We had to cross probably eight different little rivers called the bridge to nowhere. So during this hike, he, he wasn't feeling it. He did not want to be there about an hour in. You can tell that he wasn't happy. He didn't want to be dragged on that hike. And he was carrying a crazy dog that was my friend's that she gave it to him because he was just such an intense dog. So anyways, we were there and there was a time when right after we crossed the river, he slipped and he fell and he dropped his like hydro flask. And I think he skinned his knee and he was like on the floor. And my first instinct was like to not look because I don't know, I, I was just, I didn't want him to feel embarrassed. And I was like, okay, like, mm-hmm. and we all just said, Hey, are you okay, man? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. But he was still sitting there like brushing himself off and like, man, like this hike sucks. He was just so in his head. And what did I do in that moment? Absolutely nothing. I on my phone talking to my other friend, pretty much just trying to blow it off because we want to continue the hike and we didn't want him to be dragging us down. And what I wrote on this whiteboard was the situation, what happened. I want to take accountability for what exactly happened. I wrote down the the facts of what it was. I wrote down how I handled it, which was I didn't do anything to help that problem or to help make him feel better. And then underneath, I wrote down a solution. What could I have done in that Mm. moment? I could have walked up to him, asked if he was okay, actually been present with him to show him that I care, spoke some life into him and said, hey, man. We're almost there. You're going to be so happy once we get there. There's an amazing waterfall. And dude, like how much would his mindset have changed? How much of more of an enjoyable hike would he have had if I would have did that, that I failed to do? And in that moment, it's probably a combination of I didn't think about it slash I didn't want to get that open or even just vulnerable communicating like that to someone when they were going through a tough time. So 
that this happened like, over a year ago, I had to do a lot of work on that kind of stuff. And NLP has helped me do so. But I just mm. want to say it so people can also realize that, dude, a lot of times when someone is good at something, whether it's communication, it's because they were so bad at it growing up. And me and you have talked about being open and vulnerable, that we both used to be yeah. so, so against that, which has now driven that desire for us to want to lean into that even more. 100%. And the other thing now, getting back that's to good, man. That's, that's tangible, that someone can take away, you brought up the, I believe you said it was Stephen Covey, the seven habits of highly successful people, where it says, seek first to understand before trying to be understood. Was that the quote? There you go. Okay. You so got it, brother. With that quote yeah. alone, if people were to think about it like this, let's say me and me and Al are on a sales call right now. And Al, I'm going to do this live. I want you to, to be honest and say which one resonates more with you because I, I've listened mm. to probably 200 different sales calls. When I was a sales manager, what I would do is get into conference room with either one to sometimes eight to 10 people and go over a phone call and play it and say, hey, this is where you lacked empathy. This is where you answered the complete wrong question. This is where you lost engagement. And so what will happen is I got very good at understanding why salespeople aren't becoming the best that they can or not selling. You mentioned a lot of people are heart-centered people that have such a strong delivery and such a good heart for wanting to help, but they can't articulate what they're doing. So think about it in this way, Al. If I was trying to sell you, let's say that in your coaching business right now, and I know that you're very successful, you've coached hundreds of people at this point now with what you're doing, um, but let's say that you didn't and you were struggling and I say, Al, mm. what it sounds like is that there is some sort of sales issue I've identified. And that's what we're going to help you out with. And I say, okay, Al, well, what I think that we need to do is dial in your sales process. So that way you can now have the time to travel the world in scene. Just kind of let that sink in. Think about maybe how are, are you getting excited? Is that really sparking any cues? Or if I say, Al, what we need to do now is dial in your sales process. So now you can charge higher ticket and have the time freedom to go to your Q4, mm. you mentioned a lot that your Q4 is important being with your kids and with your wife. So how much more important is it for you to be home with Rachel than for you to be traveling the world? And you can see that I would, at this point in my life, I would much rather travel the world because I don't have a wife or I don't have kids. So what I'm doing and what most salespeople do is they speak to someone, again, based on their own features that they think is going to help that person or their own model of the world. But now what I was able to do was uncover your drivers from knowing you. And luckily, I have some background with who you are. But there are also right. questions you can ask on a sales call when done intentionally to uncover certain things that you can then speak to. So that's the biggest thing that's that I would good, want dude. to take away is with that quote you mentioned, that's exactly how I would want to understand you and what's driving you before you understand me or why my product or service is so good. And so many people do that. They talk on why their product, why their service, why their coaching is so good, how it's going to help you change your life without understanding that person at the deepest level possible to then speak to it and link your product to whatever they're going through to be the vehicle to lead them to where they want to go. Super good, man. It is It is not a wonder. And I trust that uh, the audience at this point, man, can understand how you can articulate, how you can navigate, how you can put yourself in positions of unknown and be able to come out and not come out successfully. And I, and I use air quotes for those that aren't watching video now every single time, because again, as I mentioned earlier, you, you have a great sense of self-awareness to where you understand, all right, listen, I didn't do this to the best that I can. 
I mean, the fact that this, the story that the audience at this point, man, can understand how you can articulate, how you can navigate, how you can put yourself in positions of, of unknown and be able to come out and not come out successfully. And I, and I use air quotes for those that aren't watching video now, rework the solution which then allows you to rework your subconscious mind on how you would handle that situation forthcoming, which is, dude, one of the, I mean, that's, that's the epitome of ninja level of, of, of what I'm saying. Whereas most of most people I know, sometimes, man, even myself included would be like, yeah, I sucked at that. I made that dude feel really bad. And I felt like an absolute dick for doing that. I just won't do that again. You even go next level and you say, well, why? Why don't I want to do that again? Well, how did it make this person feel? How did it make me feel? And when you do that time after time, after time, after time, and you continue to sharpen the saw, which incidentally is another one of Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people, it puts you in a position, man, where you, you can confidently show up, not with a sense of arrogance, but with the ability to know that, Hey, I can pretty much communicate with anyone because I'm not looking to communicate and get the meanings that I've attached from the conversation which again is, is, is what you just shared with, with that perfect example, dude, it's exactly what I was looking for, but rather the meanings that I'm going to be able to derive based on the information that they've given me. And what happens is, is some people just erroneously go into a conversation with this false, fickle sense of pride or arrogance thinking, all right, man, I'm very, very good at sales at selling a home, selling a car, selling a coaching package, insert something here based on the results that they've obtained with 50, 100, 250 other dudes, females, whatever the case may be. But the one person that they can really make an impact with that house or that car or that coaching package doesn't come to fruition because they arrogantly failed to understand what it is that that person was looking for and failed to communicate in a manner. And then more so once they realized that they were failing during the sales consultation, then decided to pull back because they again, created a, a meaning, a fickle meaning in their head that, Hey, I, I, this person isn't for me or I'm not, I'm not for that, that person, man. And again, dude, that that's honorable. That's commendable. That's tactical, man. That is uh, absolutely what I was looking for. I know that that can be applied for several that are listening to this and it resonates with folks, man. So I don't want to get long winded here, brother. I know this is going to be one of many, you and I seemingly, whenever we get on the phone, we talk for two, two and a half hours. You know, I'm a walker when I talk. So it's multiple miles, man. When, <laughs> when I talk to Cody G man, which I wouldn't have any other way, man. I, I love it. I love you, brother. Any last words that you want to share with the listeners, man? Yeah, man. Just honestly, I, I just want to honor you for being on this call. This is, to be quite honest, mm. probably the best podcast I've ever done. Not because the questions were so great or we have such good lighting coming on us or any of that stuff, but just being here with you, this podcast will for sure be uh, out of anyone that I've done. And I probably just in the past two or three months have like five or six that I've been on. And dude, I just, I want to say that just you as a person with who you are in my life, like, bro, there is no doubt when. I get married and I have a, and I have kids, you're going to be there for those births. I'm going to force you to flat to wherever that, that way. Absolutely brother. So you can be there, man. So I just, I really do appreciate having you in my life and the connections that we've had and bro, you, you've helped mm. me out tremendously in many, many different areas. And it's just, there, there's few people in this world. And we've both talked about this, that I'm willing to invest time with, even on a phone call on that level, if it's not really filling up my cup, just because not from a selfish standpoint, but 
at the same time, selfishly, I need to have a full cup with the work that I do to be able to pour into other people. And dude, there's, I think you've actually said this, there's cup fillers and there's cup, was it dippers or drainers? And man, you just do it, but you fill up everyone's cup that you encounter, man, from all the people that you coach, Mm. that you're with in the Kings to me. And there's just, there's a special person in, in you and with what you've created. So I just, I love you, brother, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. Man, I received that, brother. Very much so. I love you too, cuz I am blessed by the grace of God to be to be a product of a favorable environment, of which includes you, man. So I know I've said it time and time again, and I'll say it again. I have a lot of acquaintances in my life, even less friends, but very few people that I call brother. And and the way I look at it is is if you it's not easy to cross that threshold. I mean, I've got some high standards for, for people, um, <laughs> but when you when you cross that threshold, man, regardless of situation or circumstance, you, you're my brother for life. So when I say, man, we're, we're going to continue to do life together, uh, you can take that to the bank, man. You, you don't have to invite me because I'm going to be that weird, awkward guy that's just showing up to your wedding, whether or not I'm invited or not. Like, hey, man. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. And I received that. One last question, man, before we, we head out here. So all the listeners that gained as much value off of what Cody spoke about today as I have, I very, very much appreciate and would strongly encourage you to subscribe and like to the podcast. Leave us that 10-star review. If you can't figure out how to do 10, five will suffice. And also, I know that if, if you're like me and you want to get – more Cody G, more access to, I know you put out a lot of social content. You're always on Clubhouse. Matter of fact, dude, I don't get in the Clubhouse unless you're in a room. Real talk. I know I've showed you that before, but we talk about bucket fillers and bucket dippers, man. I know that if I need a course correct in my mind, let me just go get 10 minutes of Cody G and then bam, I'm in a good spot. So maybe share with the listeners, man, how they can get a hold of you on social, Clubhouse, all the things that you're doing with your coaching program, programs now which is phenomenal. Again, standing in agreement and encouraging you to do that, brother. Yeah, appreciate that, man. So if you guys do want to learn more about me or what I'm doing, easiest way is on Instagram at codyg.nlp. Clubhouse, if you guys are on that, NLP coach Cody G is going to be my clubhouse. But man, honestly, anywhere where you're going to find Al is where you're going to find me. That's walking through life, <laughs> walking through socials, in content. You can always find me through his page as well. And just kind of last closing remarks that I would love everyone to to kind of get at is I would love to to train and certify people in NLP and help them with their sales process. But more importantly, the biggest bit of advice that I have for anyone that's looking for assistance, especially in their business, is to not just look at what someone has created in their business, but look at the fruit of their life, the relationships they have, Mm. who they are as a person. And this comes from my own experience. This comes from tens of thousands of dollars spent into coaching, into people that will put on a certain image or idea, but you know nothing about them personally. And it usually becomes a very transactional relationship where you don't get to know them personally. So the more you can know someone and just see that they're a real person, if they're willing to show you that. And again, Al, you've been very good at allowing me to reveal that side of me, of not always needing to be that super professional person, but showing love and receiving love. That's the biggest thing that I want people to to leave from is not just anything that we shared, but realize that when you're trying to grow your business, It's a lot less about what someone knows and a lot more about how much they care to actually help you in those wee hours where you might be struggling. So that's all that I got, man. CodyG.NLP on Instagram. And from there, you can pretty much find a similar name on YouTube and Clubhouse and all the other stuff. 
Absolute gold, brother. That was, pardon me, that was the epitome of an example of, again, dropping from your head to your heart. I mean, there multiple times you just went back in that, man. So I honor you. I received that. I very much appreciate your time, man. And we'll look forward to chatting again on the next one, brother. I agree, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Driven View with Al Hamid. If you love what you heard, and I know that you did, please follow us on Apple and Spotify and leave us that 10-star review. All right, if you can't find 10, we will gladly accept that five-star review. You can also connect with me, Al Hamid, on both Instagram and Facebook. Al Hamid, H-A, M is in Mary, E is in Edward, D is in Diesel. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and like. <laughs>